Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph, and our topic is the use of time. And I'm very excited to have Rabbi Joseph back with me because a few, well, not only because I can't say because I enjoy being with him always, but a few weeks ago we replayed a podcast on our previous show, which I think, uh, Rabbi, we did about the beginning of the year, and it was on time, and the, uh, the feedback was fantastic, but we had a lot of very angry viewers, uh, listeners, because they thought it was live and it was podcast, and they were sending in messages through SMS. So this time, I think we better just tell our listeners that this is a pre-record because uh, I'm going to be away. But we would love to hear from you anyway. Please do SMS, and I will pick up messages on my my computer. Um, before we start, I just want to say that on on my program on Tuesday, last Tuesday, um, with Philip Vayers uh, on on General Smuts and and Philip's uh, um, trip to Israel, I mentioned books about the Ochberg orphans that Benji uh, Penzik ga- kindly gave me uh, when I was in Israel this month. Anyone interested in hearing more about the books or or actually receiving the books, buying the books, please contact Peter Bailey via Telfed. And he said that he'll be able to tell you about the list of books available and how to actually get them. They're written and compiled by um, David Sandler, and they are incredible. If you're interested, uh, Alon, you should actually see them. You can't believe the illustrations and what have you in these books. Incredible. Incredible. They were a beautiful present. You know, there's a saying, you can spend your life any way you want, but you can only spend it once what do you say about that i love that what a beautiful way to uh to start our show i think it's so it's so true you know when we're discussing about time the first time and all this feedback we got it was actually quite incredible how many people commented that they heard about our show and how meaningful it was to them and 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 i was thinking about why you know what was it about the show that we did that people really enjoyed and found so meaningful and I think it was this concept of time that we discussed. Yeah, I read a beautiful quote as well that said, Time is your most precious gift because you only have a set amount of it. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. That's so true, isn't it? And I think that's so true. We, we know as individuals, we know we have a limited amount of time. It's called the transitory nature of life, that there is a beginning and an end. But we don't know when the end is. Exactly. And we have to make the most of the middle of that. We know there's a beginning. We know the end. We don't know when the end is. And our job is to try and make the most of that time in between it as meaningful and, and, and as really as powerful as it can be. And we want to get the most out of that amount of time that we've got because, as you correctly said, we don't know. What's happened in the past has happened. The future has not come. And really our only guarantee that we have is that if, if we wake up in the morning, we know, well, maybe I've got another day. Mm. And that's how we have to view it, is that our time is limited in this world. So it's almost moment by moment that we actually have to plan our time. Exactly. And that's such a beautiful way you put it. We have to plan our time. If we do not plan for it, it just runs by. As we said before, we discussed that definition of time. That time is just passing through and spending the duration. But we actually have to, if you want to make the most of it, you have to live it. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can live it is by knowing what is it that you want to achieve with your time. Where are you going? What are the goals that you want? What do you want to achieve in any area of life? Uh, I, was, I was doing a course on marriage recently and I asked them as well. I said, what is the goal of marriage? And they like looked at me and we went around and they were quite shocked by the question. And I said, well, if you don't know what your goal is, how do you know if you've achieved it? It's just not about getting married. There's a purpose to marriage. There's a purpose to kids. There's a purpose to living. And if we don't make the time to think about it, then what are we doing with that? We're just passing through, but we're not actively living it. We're not enjoying it. We're not making the most of it. And we're not using the time. Without a purpose, we actually 
Oh, the time is just passing us by, as you say. Agreed. And I saw some amazing research that they looked at all successful people. And by successful people, it's not only people who've made a lot of money. That's not success. Successful people are people who've achieved their goals. People have set goals. They've pursued them. And they've achieved them. And what they found with all successful people is that they managed their time. They looked at it and they said, what do I want? Every single day, they would end their day off by saying, what did I achieve today? And what are my goals for tomorrow? So when they woke up in the morning, they would spend the first couple of minutes analyzing and saying, what do I want to get out of today? What is my goal for today? That's what made people successful is that it wasn't just that they woke up and went out to achieve something. No, they were very strategic because they knew their time was limited. They knew that they wanted to achieve so much, and the only way that they could achieve that was by making the most of their time and being strategic, planning. I want to do this. I want to do that. You often say to people, sometimes you have to take time to make time. Because if you don't spend time with yourself, so what are your goals? What do you want to achieve? What are you hoping? Where are you hoping to go? If we're not thinking about what we're doing, we will never know if we've achieved that. And we'll miss out on so many opportunities. And we'll actually just float by and, and life will sp- uh, pass us by and slip by. You know, there's a, I read an article about effectively managing your time. And it's what you, exactly what you say. It says start with your most important goal. And this may be easy to determine if a big deadline is, is, uh, is looming or a big event. But, you know, if it's a small event, you still have to um, start with what is the most important goal for that day. So maybe it's not making a million dollars. Maybe it is baking a cake that day for a birthday party or something, you know. And then also say no. And that, I think, is a big one. Uh, it's, it's, they, uh, it says don't feel guilty because guilty trips you up. Um, into doing something that you really don't want to do. And you don't actually need to explain why you don't have to do it. Simply say that you can't do it if it doesn't work for you. And that, I think, is something that we all find very difficult, don't we? Very, very difficult. Because, we, you know, we feel, I've got to give person, I've, you know, I want to do this and I want to do that. And again, if we don't, if you know where you're going and what you want to achieve, then your decisions are much easier to make. Mm. Often... If I don't know what it is I want to achieve in that day, so maybe I should help this person. Maybe should, you know, I'll do this over here, I'll do this now. But then I'm not strategic. I'm not planning. So and someone can come in with a suggestion and you might think, oh, well, maybe that's a better idea than what I think I'm going to do today. Agreed. And then, and then you'll turn back and you say, so what did I really do with today? Did I really make the most of this time that I've got today? Did I really utilize it to its full potential? And sometimes it will be yes, but it might be more haphazard, more than actually strategically planning, where if we know where we want to go and what we want to do, we will get there much, we will get there much more. And funny enough, that's the other thing that they really say. Be prepared. Don't let meetings, appointments or deadlines surprise you. If you're prepared, it means that you have planned them into your day. When planning for a specific event, try to estimate the time of day, how long it's going to take you, and um, and actually don't fill up other appointments in that time because then you're not going to be concentrating on that specific moment of time. Your mind's going to wander to the next. The next one is delegate or ask for help. Now, I think this is where many people find it very, very difficult. Getting help will also provide you with people that check in on you. Do you agree? I love that. I I think it's such a beautiful idea. You know, it reminded me of a... Of an exercise I once did with a group of, of CEOs, I was talking about about managing time, and and I asked them. I said, "Do you you know do you guys think that you're productive?" There were seven or eight of them, and they said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, I want to give you a challenge," and I created an Excel spreadsheet for them, and I said to them, "I want you to take a week, and I want you to just color code the week for me from from the time you start in the morning to the time you finish, just your workday, meetings, you know." What did you do with your time? So we had green was was for meetings and, and blue was for this. And we had the different color codes. And there was one that was yellow. And yellow was where I could have been more productive with my time. And I said to them, I want you to just analyze. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But let's be more conscious of what we're doing with our time. So I gave them this exercise and we met 
a week later again and, and, and I said to them, so what did you learn? And they were all amazed. They all said it was the most incredible exercise. I said that you realized, you know, how productive you are. And they said, no, we realized how much time we actually waste. <laughs> we thought we were actually productive, but we realized that we weren't so productive, that we realized that someone would come in and we'd spend an hour and a half chatting to them when we thought to ourselves afterwards, hold on a sec, I color coded that. What did I do with all that time? Was I really as productive as I could have been? Did I really manage my time properly? Did I really get the most out of today? And the most successful people in the world manage their time incredibly well. They're conscious the whole time of, is this the most productive thing I should be doing right now? And I suppose that's focusing. It's turning off your cell phone, turning off whatever's going to distract you, clearing a cluttered desk. And actually focusing on what you're doing. And then I think a very big thing also, which I I think we're very lax on this, I know I am, is rewarding ourselves when we have finished a task. Because I think that's a big one, you know. We need to say, well done. You have managed this and you spent your time well. And I'm proud of myself for this. And that is so important. I often tell people if you make a to-do list, as you accomplish something, cross it off, tick it off, do, do something, show yourself, wow, I set myself a goal for today, I've accomplished that. Mm -hmm. And every time you tick something off, it should be a celebration. It's great. I did it. I've achieved something. I'm one step closer to where I wanted to be by the end of today. That's beautiful. That's fantastic. So you might not get everywhere, but you can look back and feel good about it. And that should motivate us to want to move forward. And that's why to-do lists are actually such an important thing. Firstly, they focus us. They help us get the most out of our time. But they're also there to reward us. They're also there to show us, wow, that's great. I did it. I mm. achieved something. Celebrate every step. Celebrate every day. Every we, moment of our lives. Exactly. We don't know how fast things change. And mm. things change so quickly. And, and, we on, and we're moving at such a fast pace that we don't realize it. You know, I, was, I was reading a story um, a while ago uh, of a man who had just bought a brand new car, a brand new Jag, and he's driving down the road at, you know, and he's enjoying it. And all of a sudden he feels this big thud and he has this big thud on, on, on his car and he stops and he gets out and he sees that someone's thrown a brick on the side of his brand new car. And he's looking at this and he, yeah, my brand new car. And he's looking around, he said was, and he sees a young boy and he's about to start screaming. And the young boy looks at him and says, sir, Please, can you come and help me? So he says, what's the matter? He says, no, my brother's in a wheelchair and he's, and he's fallen out of his wheelchair and he's too heavy. He's too big for me to, you know, to pick him up and to put him back in. And, and I was trying to get someone to stop and no one was stopping and, and my brother's lying there. So the only way I was, I thought, well, if I throw something at someone's car, maybe they'll stop. <laughs> and, and he went and he helped and he helped this boy get back in his wheelchair and they got on their way and he got back into his car and he just sat there. And and he said afterwards, he said that he never repaired that dent in his car. And the reason why is that he said he kept it there to remind him of the message of don't go through life so fast that someone has to throw a brick at you to get your attention. Oh, what an <laughs> incredible story, Alon. Honestly, I and, mean, it's such a lesson for us to learn. And I think that's the big thing is that we're rushing and rushing and rushing and we're not taking time to actually just stop. And appreciate things around us. And just shortly, we're going to actually be playing uh, uh, Pete Seeger's Turn, Turn, Turn. And I think very much it's actually, it's actually from Ecclesiastes. You probably know it. Um, yeah. For just, every season. <laughs> yes, for every season under the sun. It, it's actually it's traditionally ascribed to King Solomon. Who, uh, but is believed by a significant group of uh, scholars to date much later. But it is uh, ecclesiastics to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And I think that is exactly what your story has just illustrated. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. You've just been listening to Turn, Turn, Turn by Pete Seeger. It's a, it's a song that actually always uh, makes me think and, and uh, sometimes makes me quite sad. Um, I have as my guest today, Rabbi Alon Joseph. It's so good having you back here in the studio. And our topic is the use of time. 
you know, we were talking about how to evaluate our time, but what about, um, well, no, we're effectively managing our time. What about evaluating our time? Do you have any ideas on how to evaluate your time? I have a few, but I'd like to hear yours. So I think, again, it's that same, it's that same concept that in life, if we want to be successful, if we want to achieve things, we need to know where we're going. We need to know what it is we want. So what are your goals? What are the things you want to achieve? Where do you, who do you want to become? How are you going to get there? And as we said, time is finite. We don't know where, it, you know, we know we've got a beginning. We don't know where the end is. We want to make the most of that time. So we have to evaluate where have we come from. What have we achieved up until now? And every day, as we said, starting off like that, you know, I was, I was thinking about this concept and I've been doing a lot of it in our, in, in our training with different companies. And if we think about our lives as a book, if you've read a book, there was there were certain things about a book that, that if you think about your favorite book you've ever read, what was it about that book that captivated you and that you couldn't put it down? Often it's it's relevance, it's the way that it's written, it's the way that it just grabs your attention and it and it just gets you so involved in it. And our lives are like that. We are writing a book of our lives every single day. Every single day we wake up is another page. And if you think about how long you've been alive for up until now, how many days is that? Yeah, how many days have you been alive for? And, and how full will your journal be? Exactly. And what is in that journal? You know, if people were to read it, would they say, wow, this is an incredible bestseller. I want to make this into a movie. I want everybody to read this book. That's how we need to view our lives is that we need to realize and say, wow, I'm a role model for other people in my lives. Other people are looking up to me. What type of story am I creating for them? What type of book am I creating for them? And what do I want to leave behind? And I think for me, this has become very relevant because I've spoken to quite a few people about time lately since you and I decided to do this show. And uh, I asked uh, my husband, Leon, what he thought about time. And he was saying that time actually changes so much as you get older. You begin to appreciate uh, different things. You're not chasing that goal that power goal of wanting to succeed. Your success comes in very different ways. It comes in relationships, in giving love, in receiving love, in in connections, connections with grandchildren, with the earth, with, with the world, to seeing the beauty of our world around us. That That's almost what age begins to give you if you've allowed wisdom to come in with age <laughs> and with that time. If, there, if you haven't, and I must admit, I have met many people of my age who are pretty stuck in still trying to to reach that, that dream. And it's never enough. You know, that dream never comes to an end of getting enough money because what is enough? And in all that time, it's wasted. It's wasted on actually just recognizing that it is a gift of time to even reach a greater age. And it's so beautiful. You know, talk about evaluating time and things like that. And it's exactly like that. One day we're going to stop and realize and look back and say, what did I achieve? With? Is this really what I wanted to use my time for? Are the pursuits, the energy, everything that I put into it, is this really what I wanted? And I think that's part of a midlife crisis. It is. You're right. The, you know, the whole concept of a midlife crisis is a person says, hold on a sec, I'm, good. I'm, in, I'm in the middle of my life. What have I done? What have mm. I achieved? Have I put my time and energy into things that are productive? Do I look back and what story have I created now that I'm halfway through my life? Have I achieved the things that I wanted? Have I used time wisely? And most of the time, that's how people go through that crisis because for them it is a crisis. Why? Because they realize, wow, maybe I wasn't doing things properly. Maybe I haven't achieved everything. So some people go and then that's for them. It's the convertible and it's everything else. And it's a new woman and or yeah. a new man. <laughs> and you now they're searching for this, uh, this dream that's actually not there. And that's the beautiful thing you said. They're searching. They realize that they've evaluated their life up until this point and they realize something's missing. And now they go and start searching for it to try and fill that void. And they're searching and often in the wrong places. But it's interesting how they go searching for it. Because they, they're our, looking. And that is our freedom of choice. You know, and it's the responsibility that we as humans have is to actually recognize that we do have choices. We have choices to change, to to recognize what we don't want in our lives anymore and what we do. 
And, you know, going back to age, I also asked one of my, well, I didn't actually ask, but one of my little grandchildren said to me, oh, I've just had my birthday, and it's such a long time till my next birthday. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, how amazing. This, to me, my birthdays seem to be coming so quickly now, <laughs> you know. But for children, the time is slower. And actually, a lot of there has been a lot of research. I'll go through it with you just now about it. That there's a French philosopher, Paul Genet, who in the 19th century actually said that when you are four weeks old, a week is a quarter of your life. By the end of your first year, a week is just a 50th of your life. By the time you turn 50, a whole year will be a 50th of your life. Wow. That is so true, isn't it? Beautiful. At first, it seems like you'll be scrolling through this visualization for, for, uh, forever, but it begins to speed up. The time it takes to get from 30 to 70 is startlingly short. And uh, using our relative of time, he says, it's like your summer vacation in your first year of college, which uh, you, you feel is, is so long. But before you know it, you're old and dead. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, he says, he goes on to say, life is short. Do things now. We don't need to be told twice. I love I that. I love that. That's so beautiful. You know, it reminded me of a story. Um, I love sharing stories. So it reminds me of a story once when um, we were living in Durban after we got married. And there was a, a friend of mine who came down to Umschlange for holiday. So I went one night. I went to go visit him and we're sitting there. He was staying uh, at one of the hotels. And on the way out, we walked past the hotel at this little bar area. And uh, we heard some funny music coming out of it. So we went to go look. And I peeked in and I saw the strangest sight. There was, there was this music playing. And there was this man, he looked to be like in his mid-70s, just dancing by himself on the dance floor. And I thought to myself, I just finished reading a book about it. It was called Tuesdays with Mari, about, about oh, an old I man also. That. Yeah, I love And I book. looked at this man and I thought, wow, that could be him, you know. And I thought it was amazing. So I waited for him to go sit down and I went to go introduce myself to him. And I said, hello, I'm Alon. And he introduced himself. And I said to him, you know, that was the most incredible thing. He said, what? I said, well, I walked past and you're just dancing by yourself. So he said to me, and we spent a couple of hours chatting. He said to me, Alon, look around. What do you see? So I looked around. I said, I see a whole lot of young people. He said, no, look closely. What do you see? So I said, they're all tapping their feet and they're all like moving. He says, what do you think's going through their mind? I said, well, probably they want to be dancing. He says, exactly. He says, so why aren't they on the dance floor? Why aren't they dancing? So he said, you know why they're not dancing? Because they're worried what other people are going to think about them. They're so worried. I'm going to make a fool of myself. People are going to laugh at me. People, you know, no one's going to look at me. He says, I'm in my late 70s. What do I care what people think? He says, I'm just want to enjoy life. He says, look at them. Are they really enjoying it? They want to break loose, but they're restricting themselves. And I thought it was such a powerful message on that same concept of that, of that, do we hold ourselves like, there's things we want to achieve. Our time is so short. It is so precious. And yet we look around and we're so worried so many of the time is that, is that, and, and, and we restrict ourselves and we limit ourselves. And again, it's that same concept of evaluating our time. When we look back one day, we want to see things that we've created. We want to see, wow, we've achieved so much. We've, we've, we've come so far. Now, our sages teach us that, when um, when Abraham when Abraham died, it says boy Bayamim, he came with his days, and our sages make such a beautiful comment on it. What does it mean he came with his days? So the way they explain it is so beautiful. It says he came with like suitcases, and in that suitcase there was there were all the books. Every single day that he lived, it says that he could account for every single day. He made the most of every single day that he lived. There wasn't a day that went by. That he didn't live it to its full potential. That he didn't wake up and say, what am I going to do with my time today? I have a mission to fulfill. I don't want to waste any time. And it says he came with these days that he was able to fulfill his potential in every single day that he fulfilled. And that's that same concept of evaluating our time. Of looking at our time saying, are these the priorities? Have I set the correct priorities for my time? Where do I put my emphasis? Where am I putting my energy and my, and my time to see that I'm achieving that? And there's quite a well-known story of a, of a young boy who comes to his father. His father comes home and his father's sitting there and he comes to his father and he says, you know, dad, how much do you earn a day? So his father works. Ass. He says, well, how much do you earn? You know, how much do you charge for your time? 
So the father says, oh, I charge, I charge $200, $200 an hour. So he says, okay. So he comes back a bit later and uh, he says, Dad, can I borrow $100? So the father looks at him like all irate. What do you want $100 for? I can't just lend you $100. And you know, he starts screaming and, and the son goes upstairs and the father's sitting there and he's thinking, you know, maybe I was a bit harsh on my son. Maybe, maybe that was a bit forceful. You know, I don't know what he needs the money for. I just, I just assumed. I better just go check. So he goes upstairs and he, he knocks on the door and he, he, he goes in and he sees his son lying on the bed. And he goes and he sits next to his son and he said, you know, maybe I was a bit harsh on you, son. Maybe that wasn't the right reaction. Why did you need $100? What's it for? So the son turned to him and the son said, well, you know, I've got $100 and I want you to buy another $100 so I could buy 200 so I could have $200 to buy an hour of your time. Oh, oh, that is actually sad. <laughs> and it's a sad, it is, it's very sad. But I thought, but it reminded me of a reality of that. What are our priorities? What are we using our time for? Where are we putting our time? You know, so you're working, but for what purpose? Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be evaluated and fit into our priorities of, of our lives. Our time is short. And we need to make the most of that time. We need to make the most of every moment and second. You know, Abraham Lincoln said, leave nothing for tomorrow, that which can be done today. Yes. And that is time, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, going back to to making time for for your child like that and your child offering to pay you for your time. <laughs> I think as you get older, hopefully when you mature, you also come to get a different perspective on life because you have lived through sadness, sometimes loss, often loss, through through disappointments, through failures. But you do realize that life does go on. Time doesn't stop for you, you know. The clock ticks on. And if you want to go on living, you choose to go on living. Otherwise, end your life. And I think this is one of the things that age, hopefully with maturity, does teach you, that you can survive. And that even though the clock is moving on and you have lost a lot of things along the way, you still have the future to look forward to and today to look forward to. And I think it's that same concept of writing your own book. If you realize that every single day you're waking up, it's a new page. What's happened before, you can't go back, you can't, yes, you can rewrite it, but that's going to be on today's page. You can't go back and change it. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's page hasn't come yet. You have to sometimes press that reset button and say, today is a new page. What am I going to put on that page? How am I going to start it off? You know, if, you, if, if you're going to start off that page of, oh, it's, I'm miserable, I've got to get up, it's another day, oh, this is dreadful. Or are you going to start to say, wow, I woke up. This is exciting. This is so beautiful. I've got a whole day ahead of me to go and achieve. Which book would you prefer to read? Which page is going to captivate you that's going to say to you, wow, I can do so much more? And it's that same concept of that we do. We have this concept of that time is is long, but it's not. Every day is its own gift. And and we've got to evaluate it like that to make the most of it and to get the most of it. And sometimes the experiences we go through teach us that. And they become our unique story, you know, and I think each of us spends our time in our own unique way, quite honestly. And just going back to your journal, I would love to read it. And uh, if, I, if I'm alive, when you finish <laughs> reading writing it, I'd love to be one of the first to read it. Because I know that time will go quickly as I read it. Because if you're enjoying something like reading a book, Look how quickly time passes. If you're enjoying spending time talking to a friend or having coffee, you know, and you know you've got a, you've got an hour, that hour goes heck of a quickly, doesn't it? But if you are actually bored and doing nothing, time drags. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> it, it's absolutely true. It, it, it does. It really does. Yeah. And again, you're never going to, the thing that we have to realize is that we're never going to get that time back. Every moment, as we said before in the previous talk that we did together, every moment that passes us by, we're never going to get that time back. It's gone. It's now part of history. Mm-hmm. It's part of our journal. So we always have to be conscious and cognizant of what, where are we going? What direction are we moving? Because we want to get the most out of that. We really want to achieve so much. And the only way we can do that is by evaluating, by prioritizing, 
by making a list of our priorities, by asking ourselves that very important question, what do we want to leave behind one day? What's the legacy we want to leave behind for other people? What's the message we want to leave behind? And And more importantly, what do I want to achieve in my life, when I look back one day, what are the stories I want to share with other people that I've accomplished? What do I want to share with other people that I've that I've done? I want to feel good. I want to be able to look back and say, wow, that was a day well lived. Not about a life well lived, but each day when we end it, look at me and say, wow, today was a day well lived. I really feel accomplished. I really feel I did a lot today. And when we do that, we feel good about ourselves. We we can um, motivate ourselves that we wake up tomorrow and say, wow, yesterday was great. Let's do the same thing today. Uh, you know what? That's beautiful what you say because I think that so often people regret the past, especially as they're coming towards the end of their lives. It's the if onlys. If only I had done something. It's the guilt. It's the all of that that goes with it. And, and so much of it is if only. And and yet, you know, they don't seem to realize that they still have a chance to change things. You can't change what was past, but you can change the present. Correct. And hopefully in changing the present, you can move into the future differently. Correct. You know, Viktor Frankl says all that is good and beautiful in the past is safely preserved in that past. On the other hand, so long as life remains, all guilt and evil are still redeemable. This is not the case of a finished film or an already existent film which is merely being unrolled. Rather, the film of this world is just being shot, which means nothing more or less than that the future happily still remains to be shaped by us. It is at the disposal of man's responsibility. So what he says is so true. If we look at our lives as a as a reel, a film reel, and it's unrolling and it's unrolling, and we look back and we think, oh, we should have done that differently and that differently, and then we get to the next door of of that uh, video that we're watching, and we see something else, and it's it's not the end though yet. It's still, as he says, goes on rolling. It does. And that's what we have to realize is that we have the opportunities to change things. We have the ability. You know, if you're not happy about something, change it. Mm. We have the ability to take control of our time. Yeah, as we said at the beginning, you can't make more time. We're going to actually be listening to a, um, a YouTube by Rabbi Sachs. And then we'll go back on again. Stay relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. As anyone who's ever really engaged in time management knows, the single most important distinction is between the urgent and the important. And of course, what happens is that very often we concentrate on the urgent and the things we fail to spend time on are the things that are important but not urgent. And to deal with that, Judaism created the most powerful time management tool in civilization. It is called Shabbat. On Shabbat, you have to stop whatever you're doing and focus on the things that are important but not urgent. The things you'd never find time to do if there were no such thing as Shabbos in your life. Like talking to those you love. Like spending time appreciating what God has given you. Like having a meal with friends. Like singing with joy at the fact that we're here. Like praying to God and offering Him our sacrifice of thanks. Thank you for all the good things you've put in my life. I think a life without Shabbat is a life without time management. And of course, beyond that, there's the biggest time management seminar of the whole lot, which we call the Aseret Yemei Tshuva, the 10 days beginning on Rosh Hashanah, ending on Yom Kippur, when we think about the year that has passed, and quietly God is asking us a question. You're asking me for another year of life. 
Let me hear your answer to this question. Last year I gave you another year of life. What did you use it for? Did you spend your time on the things that make a difference? And that's really when we ask, you know, what have we done in the past year? How have we added to the store of human happiness? How have we made the world a little better? And so Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur are to me the great time management days of a lifetime. And it seems to me that the Torah really understood that of all things, the most precious is time. It's the only thing that God gives to us equally on equal terms, however rich or poor, powerful or powerless. There's still only 24 hours in a day and still only 52 weeks in the year and a span of years that is all too short. The essence of Judaism is contained in that marvelous line from Psalms, Limnot yamenu ken hoda teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. It is counting our time that is the most important thing in life. And Judaism, the world's most ancient and to my way of thinking, the single most effective form of time management. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and you've just been listening to Rabbi Jonathan Sachs on time management. And he mentioned Rosh Hashanah, and um, he mentioned uh, the 10 days um, <clears throat> before. And you know what? I also believe that we're coming up now to a time of, of uh, the season of the year where the year is ending, the year 2017 is ending, we're going into another new year, we're coming up to Hanukkah, we're coming up to Christmas, and uh, I know there's just been Diwali. So many people have also been breaking their year up into different segments, and and that's what we, we do do with, with each year. And as he said, we are each given so many days, so many hours, and uh, so many months in the year. What do you say about that, Rabbi Alon? I think it's so powerful what he said about how, how God has designed time management for us, how Judaism is based on time management, about looking at that concept of time. And it's so true. It's so beautiful. We're all equal in time. We all have the same 24 hours. But some people seem to utilize it much better than others. And it's that same concept we were talking about, about, about evaluation. You know, when we go through our festivals throughout the year as well, everything is there to, everything is designed to bring us back mm-hmm. to that same cognizant thing of realizing, yeah, we have four seasons in a year. Why? Why do we have seasons? Why, why do we need concept of seasons? Just have beautiful weather the whole year round. Why have a, a summer, a spring, a winter, an autumn? Why do we have seasons? And I say just teach us because seasons are there to remind us that our lives are built on seasons. So when autumn comes, things are changing. I look around, oh, you know, things are changing. The leaves are changing. Winter comes, it's, it's, it's cold. The seasons are there. The world around us is designed to teach us lessons about using our time properly as well. It's all there to teach us this concept of be cognizant of what's happening around you. Manage your time. Realize that your time is finite. Yeah, in that book we quoted before by Eugene O'Kelly, that Chasing Daylight, he says that in, if you want to get the most out of your time, he says we have to view time, and he spoke about it because he was dying of cancer, and, and he said that you have to view time as a terminal illness. He says, what do you notice about people who get diagnosed and, told, and, and, and get told that they've got a certain very limited amount of time to live? He says, isn't it interesting how so many people change their priorities, how so many people change their perspective. And he said, why, why weren't they living with those same priorities and same perspectives before they got told they were going to die? We're dying of time anyway. From the moment we're born, we start dying. Mm. And he says, if we can view time as a terminal illness, realizing I'm not going to be here forever, realizing I do have an end point, would you still have those same priorities? And he says, we have to view time like that. Don't get caught up in thinking, I'll do it another day. I'll do it another time. He says there is no other time. We have only to only now. There's only now. That's it. And you have to make the most of it. He says that's what successful people know. He says if you find someone 
and they would be diagnosed that they're going to die and they wouldn't change anything. They would keep their life exactly the same. Why? Because they've made the most of their time. They're understanding what they're doing. Those are the most successful people, he says. Those are the people who it doesn't make a difference if they're living or dying. They're achieving the most with every single day. And he says, that's how we have to view time. Ask yourself, if today was my last day, would I still be doing the same things? Would I still have the same priorities? If I knew that I was, you know, that my life was going to end in a certain amount of time, would I still be doing the same things I do? Would I still be doing the same work? Would I still be having the same priorities? Would I still be spending my time in that exact same way? And he says, if the answer is no, then change it. And that is so true because if I think of neurological illnesses <clears throat> that happen, uh, where time actually then becomes nothing. You know, I've, I've seen in, in Alzheimer's units how night and day even becomes confused. So <clears throat> you can say it's it's 10 o'clock and they can think it's 10 o'clock at night. Uh, you know, that they're actually, for dementia, they've actually started clocks that, that you can buy that actually show you that it's daylight. So it says 10 o'clock and it shows you uh, the sun shining and then 10 p.m. and it's um, the moon and the night to, to actually tell you, uh, you know, where, where that it's not night and not day because in dementia or Alzheimer's or any neurological disease like that, time becomes null and void. And, and so you see people literally going from meal to meal because that's how the time is divided up. And we do not realize how precious time is. And I once met, met someone who had just begun with dementia. And one of his greatest, greatest fears, which did materialize, was that he would lose all contact with time. Hmm. Because his memory had begun to, to get muddled up his time His time between morning and afternoon Became a bit muddled And and also between One hour or two hours So he knew it was beginning to happen And that was one of his greatest fears He said what am I going to do with my time When I don't know it's time <laughs> Amazing And I think we have to learn from people like that And from stories like that To make the most of our time our time is precious and the people around us, you know, as he said as well, your priorities, there's a difference between things that are important and things that are urgent. Yeah, he spoke about spending time on Shabbos. He spoke about making family time. These are all priorities. These are not the urgent things. These are the important things. And that's what we said. Evaluate. Where are you putting your time? Where are you putting your energy? What are you focusing on? Are you making the most of it? Judaism's concept is about making the most of time. You know, we touched on as well, when someone passes away and you go to their family and you wish them a long life. So it's not really a long life. The way we talk about it is really that we wish them arichas yomim, which is long days. We don't say arichas chaim, that I'm wishing you a long life. I wish you long days. Why long days? Because the message that we're really giving them and, and the blessing that we're giving them is that you should make the most of every day that you have. It's not about life. It's about making the most of the days that Hashem blesses us with. What am I doing with each day? Because each day is its own blessing. Each day is its own seed of unlimited potential. And once that day is passed, a new seed gets planted. What am I doing with today? That's the blessing that Hashem says that we should take. And that's what he was talking about as well in that beautiful talk that he gave about making the most of each day. Mm. What's important mm. to you? Where are you focusing? Realizing the people around you are also limited and appreciating these things and appreciating the seeds of potential that's given to us in each moment of every day. That is very true, you know. And as you say about uh, like sitting Shiva and what you say, it also brings to mind time because, um, you know, Viktor Frankl talks about the paradox of on suffering and time and how in the camps the days seem to drag so, so long and yet looking back, uh, it, it was a different perspective. And people sitting shiver will often say the same. Like after each day, they are exhausted by the end of prayers that night. And they say, it's been the longest day of my life. Mm. 
And yet at the end of the week, when they look back, they say, can't believe that week went so quickly. <laughs> so that is the paradox of suffering. You know, it is long and it is drawn out, but time still just moves on as it's supposed to move on. I think that's the paradox of life. Every day we go through that, wow, it's been such a long day. Oh, you know, it's been such a long week. And yet you look back over a year, you know, the end of 2017 is coming and say, wow, you know, where did January go? And yet you hear people say, oh, no, it's been such a long day and such a long month. And, and yet people look back over time and say, wow, you know, wh where did the year go? Oh, and I think at this time of year, it's very, it's very apt to take an accounting and to say, right, so the end of the year is approaching rapidly. What do we do? You know, wh what did we achieve this year? What, you know, and to celebrate the things that you did achieve and also to take an accounting of the things that you didn't achieve. What were the goals you set yourself that you didn't get? And how can you take that into next year? It's not about having long-term, you, you have to have a long-term goal, but you've got to break up that long-term goal into daily goals as well. And accessible goals so that you're not disappointed with yourself. Agreed. Yeah, I saw this amazing talk, um, and I'll send it to you, maybe we can play it, where there was an executive from Google who was asking, can you come up with a mathematical formula for happiness? That's what he was working on. No, really? Yeah, he wanted to know a mathematical formula for happiness. And he was working on it with his son. And I'm not sure at what process of it, but his son his son died. And he said that his life changed within four hours. They were on a family holiday and they were enjoying themselves. And four hours later, his son, I don't know what the whole story was. He didn't explain, but he said four hours later, his son had passed away. And... He was, he was working on this formula with his son about what is happiness all about. And he comes up with the most beautiful concept of happiness. And he says that why are so many people unhappy? And he says one of the biggest reasons is because of expectations. So he says happiness is equal or greater to where our expectations and reality meet. He says, but if we expect something and I don't get it, what happens? I'm unhappy. So I've lost out on happiness and, and I feel, oh, you know, I expected life to go in a certain way. I wanted my life. I, I, I thought in my mind that this would be how life would be and I haven't got that. And now what's going to happen? He says when his son died, he said he could have locked himself in his room and cried for the rest of his life. He said, but would it have brought his son back? He said, no. See, he said he had to use that as a reset button and he had to use his own formula on himself. And he said that what he started doing is that he decided that he was going to go out and he set himself a goal of reaching 10 million people and exposing them to this theory on happiness. Huh. And he said, why? He says, it's not going to bring my son back, but I know that it will make this world a better place from the day that he died. Wow. And that was his concept behind it. And he says that that's how we have to look at the world around us is that when things don't go the way we want them, we feel disappointed. We feel let down. And that's natural. And, that, and that's okay, and it's good to express those emotions, but what am I going to do with it? Do I let it control me? Do I let it take away the, those precious moments, and moments of time? Or do I actually stop, press a reset button, and say, how do I deal with this moving forward? How do I make the most of this? How do I deal with this and be productive with it? I can't change it. Reality is reality. I might not be able to change it. So my expectation was not met. Now I'm unhappy. Now I need to readjust, and I need to reset that, and I need to refocus on that. You know, that, that is absolutely amazing because he set himself a purpose. And I do believe that aging depends a lot on finding a purpose in your life. You will age differently with a purpose if you find meaning. Look how he changed his whole life around. You know, I'm, we're going to have to wrap up in a minute, but I just want to read you this, this story of the, uh, the, ba the fern and the bamboo. One day, uh, the man decided to quit. He quit his job, his relationship, his spirituality. I wanted to quit my life. He went to the woods to have one last talk with God. God, he said, can you give me one good reason not to quit? His answer surprised him. Look around, God said. Do you see the fern and the bamboo? Yes, he replied. Well, said God, when I planted the fern and the bamboo seeds, I took very good care of them. I gave them light. I gave them water. 
The fern quickly grew from the earth. Its brilliant green covered the floor. Yet nothing came from the bamboo seed. But I did not quit on the bamboo. In the second year, the fern grew more vibrant and plentiful. And again, nothing came from the bamboo seed. But I did not quit on the bamboo, God said. In the third year, there was still nothing from the bamboo seed, but I would not quit. In the fourth year, there was nothing from the bamboo seed. I would not quit, God said. Then in the fifth year, a tiny sprout emerged from the earth. Compared to the sea, the fern, it was seemingly small and insignificant. But six months later, the bamboo rose to over a hundred feet tall. It had spent the five years growing roots. Those roots made it strong and gave it what it needed to survive. I would not give any of my creations a challenge that they could not handle, God said to man. Did you know, my child, that all this time that you have been struggling, you have actually been growing roots? I would not quit on the bamboo. I will never quit on you. Don't compare yourself to others. The bamboo had a different purpose than the fern, yet they both make the forest beautiful. Your time will come, God said to him. You will rise high. Beautiful. That is, and I think that just encapsulates everything we've been speaking about so beautifully. We all have our own purpose. We all have our own mission. We all have our own amount of time. To make a difference We are created for a purpose We are created with a mission And we are created with the right amount of time We all need to make that happen And to carry on growing Into the people that we are meant to become The person we are meant to become yeah, 100%. Are you coming back for another show next year, <laughs> Rabbi Alon? If you invite me, Sue, I'm, I'll, I'll always come back. <laughs> <laughs> we enjoy being together, so I'll certainly invite you back. Thank you so much, Lucy. And uh, we wish everybody uh, a, a good end of year and uh, may the season of the end of year just be full of peace and happiness. Amen. Amen. <laughs>